Hello, and welcome to the Unstoppable Rock Podcast. I'm your host, Sasha Alcott. This is a podcast for anyone who makes, supports, loves, or is curious about the world of independent music and DIY touring. Myself, along with my partner, Chris Viner, tour, write, record, and distribute our music under the name When Particles Collide. Because we, well, okay, normally, not during a pandemic, tour 40 plus weeks out of the year, we meet a lot of folks along the way. This is a podcast where I sit down and talk to some of our friends and colleagues about DIY music and their hometown. Before we get started on this month's episode, a few reminders. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the Unstoppable Rock podcast wherever you get your podcasts. If you've been enjoying the podcast, also please tell friends you think would be into it. I would also encourage you to head over to patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, and search for my band name there, When Particles Collide, where you can sign up to chip in a dollar to $5 a month, which helps us stay on the road, meeting new people, and keeping this podcast going. Normally, this is the part of the podcast where I tell you about all the upcoming When Particles Collide shows. Uh, There are no shows. We, along with many other full-time touring musicians, are out of work and unable to book shows for when live music returns because so many venues themselves have an uncertain future. We are, however, doing a live cast from our Facebook page. That's facebook.com forward slash when particles collide, all one word, every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern time and Saturday at 7 p.m. Eastern time for the foreseeable future. So go ahead and tune in if you can. And no doubt when we're able to gather again, we'll be looking for folks to host acoustic house concerts for us as venues get back up and running. There's going to be some lag time with booking. So if that's something you're curious about or interested in, please uh, feel free to reach out to us on any of our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter. It's really easy. You just search for When Particles Collide, or in the case of Twitter, it's just When Particles. As with all of our episodes, this month, illustrator Molly Steinmetz has done a custom portrait of our guest, which you'll see as the thumbnail for this episode on whatever app you're using. And if you'd like to see a bigger image, head over to unstoppablerock.com, where you can also find a link to Molly's Instagram and Etsy store. And just as a reminder, she does custom work, folks. So if you're thinking now would be a good time to do a little shopping, maybe for someone's birthday or even for the eventual holidays that are going to come up, uh, please do give Molly's work a look. It's really, really fantastic. Okay, today we're going to hear my conversation with Tyler Dykema. Tyler Dykema is the creator of the Grand Rapids, Michigan-based zine, Skitchen, as well as the organizer of the annual Skitchen Fest, which is a day-long festival featuring DIY bands from all over the state of Michigan. Additionally, Tyler is an author, visual artist, and advocate for making the DI world of music more inclusive, safe, and welcoming. His work has a special focus on accessibility. I met with Tyler this past fall at his house in Grand Rapids. The first half of this interview was recorded with both of us on one track, and then I realized my mistake, and the second half is recorded on two separate tracks. What does that mean for you, the listener? Uh, The sound will change partway through the podcast. I don't think it sounds better or worse, either at the front end or back end. It's just different. So just know you're not hallucinating. Or maybe you are. Either way, that's your business. Just know that the sound will change a little after about 20 minutes. Okay, without any further ado, here's my interview with Tyler Dykema. Perfected your waistline Got disdain for those who can't be so so let's let's start a little bit. There's so much to ask about. But oh boy! Yeah, I know. Well, because there's the zine stuff, mm-hmm. and then there's the work that you've been doing with 
accessibility and then there's like the talk that you gave last year so I just feel like there's a lot and then there's also the fact that you're just a big part of the Grand Rapids local music scene as I guess as a a fan and also as someone who yeah it's it's a weird thing so there's a lot that you do it's a weird (laughs) thing to try to define I think it sounds weird to describe myself that way I hope it doesn't sound like form of myself or conceited but it's like what do I do in this scene? I just kind of am, like, there in, like, all of it in some way. You know what I mean? I do. And it started really just for me going to every show I could possibly go to. And just, like, all of a sudden before I knew it, I was like, oh, I'm really in it. Yeah. So So. did you, when did you first start going to shows when you were a teenager or yeah so my cousin was in bands and stuff when we were teenagers he was like the first like local band that i really supported and then that developed into just me liking other local bands and by the time i was like 18 i would go to shows at like uh, there was like this old venue called Skeletones, and it was sort of like the hub for diy in grand rapids and then actually right next door there was like an art space called the DAC. So those two were like very formative for me. And that was like around 17, 18. Yeah. So they're all ages venues? Or? Yeah. Okay. Yep. It was always all ages. It was very cool. It's so hard to keep all ages spaces operational. Right. And they were like <laughs> very DIY spaces. It was very community based. Like uh, even especially with the DAC, it was like there wasn't a person running that that space. It was all volunteers. There would just be like meetings and like people would volunteer like, oh, I'll run this show, I'll do that show. Oh, wow. Yeah, or like, you know, organized. It was a multi-purpose space. It was really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. That's very cool. I, I really, I wish we had more of that left, you know. I, I've talked to a few other people about this. Do you think it's happening, but as we get older, we might not know about it or no you don't think um no i think there's some aspect of that where it it still is happening i will say that in grand rapids it's becoming harder and harder just because of like bar culture you know like you said it's hard to keep all ages spaces going yeah so a lot of that really does get pushed out because it's just people want to drink at shows and then like (laughs) If they can't, then some people just won't go to shows. Yeah. And that's really unfortunate, you know, but in a way that is just kind of the truth of what's happening in some places. But there is still, and I think there always will be, a community that really is pushing for art and music for that in itself, you know. Right. So there, there's always, like, how a venue's popping up and... You know, just like little collectives. And it's really cool. That's awesome. It's just, um, it is hard, you know. But I think it always has been. Yeah. It probably always has, but it always will be. It's yeah. true. Did your, because I know you have a zine. Mm-hmm. Did that, and that came from, did you start that, like, in your those formative years, in your teen years? or? Uh, you I started the zine about 2016. Okay. Was when I started the zine. And that kind of just came about, uh, I have always wanted to play in bands, and it's difficult with my disability. I used to be able to play, like, some instruments and stuff, but just as it, as my 
disease has progressed. It's gotten harder and in some cases just not possible. Right. And what so... What did you play? Can I ask what you played? Yeah, I used to play the ukulele. I could play a little bit of piano. Yeah. When I was a lot younger, I could play the violin. No way. Yeah. That's awesome. That was a lot of fun. I was never very good at any of that, but like, it's whatever. It was, it was fun. That doesn't uh, matter. No, not at all. <laughs> Especially in our, in our scene, you know. But, I mean, you're one of my favorite guitar players. But, <laughs> but um, <laughs> bands were always hard for me to like actually be in, you know, like fully. Yeah. I've done a lot of like guest vocal appearance kind of things, but yeah. which is super fun. And that I've I've learned is mostly all I want out of playing in a band is just like <laughs> just let me do a little part and then let me, you know, ease back into the crowd. Yeah. But so the zine kind of formed out of like wanting to be further involved in the scene but not really knowing any other avenue to take and then you know, I I got really interested in zine making, and I was like, this is so cool. You know, there were a couple of local zines that I was really into, like uh, 616 zine, and um, there was this one about, like, cassette tapes, mixtapes. It was super cool. So are these mostly, let me just see if I've got the picture right in my head. So somebody is writing like articles collecting artwork maybe putting in poems like other yeah. information about and then self-publishing usually like eight and a half by eleven mm-hmm. maybe colored paper and then folded in half and stapled that kind of yeah yeah and then distribute it self-distributed yeah wherever shows might be happening in record stores or that kind of thing yep that's exactly my whole you just described everything <laughs> that my it's it's just I think making zines is like it's a age old you know uh, staple in DIY like it's sort of like the pinnacle of DIY for me it's like you make art you write things you put it on a page and then you see who wants it and then it's theirs you know do you feel like making it digital and accessible online is something people want or is it part of the DIY sort of aesthetic to keep it paper and keep it in sort of real spaces? You know, I I support either way. I really do. I support people that make either, for me with my zines, I just, I like it to just be a tangible thing. Yeah. There is a lot to be said about it being online and being more accessible that way. I don't know. Like, it's something I have kind of balanced, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, all my, good things are about in yeah, balance right my, my zines uh, have all been print only there are other zines that I really enjoy that are also online only and that's great I try to make my zines really accessible in I make them cheap or free I mean if you can't afford it it's you can have it right you know and I also like to trade zines like if anyone has a zine let me know. I will trade it. I will trade mine. I'll give you a bunch for one of yours. I don't care. There. I just love zines. What are some of the things that you've written about or shared in your... Oh, yeah. You may as well tell us what the name of it is, too. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> uh, my zine is called Skitchin. And uh, it's basically my way of, like, 
documenting part of this parts of the scene that I really enjoy. So it's primarily interview based, kind of like what we're doing. I just interview yeah. bands, and then it's in a written form, you know. And then I also talk about either like shows that are coming up or shows that have happened that I really thought were important or like new records that are coming out and then uh that's really how it started was like purely music based and then you know as I kept doing it I just I started like really wondering what more I could be doing what sort of message I could be spreading and that's where like it started also becoming a way to to uh, promote accessibility and inclusivity in our scene, just right alongside, just equal to the music part of it. Because like, what are we doing if we're not like trying to be better people at the same time? Yeah, you know. No, I uh, I totally get that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I the two go hand in hand anyway. I mean. DIY is really about taking care of each other, you know, at, at its core. It's always been that. Yeah. So what, can you talk a little bit about, so you started writing about accessibility, inclusivity mm-hmm. in the zine, and then I feel like that's, correct me if I'm wrong, or like that's led to other things, right, for you? Yeah. You want to talk about, <laughs> do you want to talk about that? Yeah. So... The next thing that kind of came from Skitchin' the Zine was after the fifth issue, uh, there was like an interest in, people were showing an interest in like me doing like a, like a festival. So I did Skitchin' Fest, which is like, the first one was one day and it was like an all day thing where like a bunch of the bands that I had interviewed in the first couple issues you know, played sets, and the event was all all ages, all accessible, and, you know, it was just very, it was, like, the first time I had really booked anything myself, and so I was able to kind of make it my own, and I used that event to really, you know, talk about in-person, like, accessibility and music, they can go hand-in-hand. So that was the first thing, and I've done two Skitchin Fests, since I try to do it every summer. Oh, I didn't even realize that. That's awesome. Yeah, and it's where grown. do you? It's yeah. growing every year. The first two years were at a venue that we don't really go to anymore. But this year we had it at the Pyramid Scheme, which is like my favorite venue ever. Yeah. And so for them to like have it be there this year was so cool. It's a bar in Grand Rapids, bar venue in Grand Rapids. Uh, they do all ages stuff too, um, in the venue part. So it was at the pyramid scheme this year. It was two days. Did you do it all the our, booking and yeah. all of the promotion? Yeah. And everything. Yeah, and it was our best attended one, which was really cool. I saw a lot of like the younger part of the community come out, which is cool because they're doing awesome things themselves. Yeah. So to have like everyone kind of come together and that was really, really cool. Well, can I ask what it was like to go from being a fan or a band member to like the 
the business side of it. Mm-hmm. Because even if you're putting on a festival and it's, you know, all ages and it's about celebrating, there's still going to be logistics and money yeah. involved. I'm just curious how that uh, how money, that felt for you. The money part of it <laughs> stresses me out so bad. Because I want to I want to pay everyone what I know that they're worth, you know. And sometimes it's hard because sometimes the money just isn't there, you know. I'm, I'm super aware of this. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> So, you know, the first two years where I felt the pay was, like, good for what it was, you know, and then this year with with it being at the Pyramid Scheme, there's almost, like, that venue almost has a draw of its own. Yeah. So there were so many people, and I was able to pay everyone more than I've ever been able to pay anyone, which felt so good, like, because everyone was so deserving, and... It was, like, emotional for me, to be honest with you. Yeah. Just in, like, I don't know. It felt like I was a good professional, you know? Yeah. Like, wow, I'm really paying these people this much. This is so cool. I, that's one of the reasons why I asked about it, because, it, you know, obviously, first and foremost, we do this because we love music and we love yeah. connecting with people through music. Mm-hmm. You know, and that has value in and of itself. But there is something about about the money piece that it is it, it's important i mean it's right. it's it's not the it's not the end all be all but there is something mm-hmm. there that allows you to say like hey people other than just me feel like this music is important yes. and they put they put something of value forward to say this is important to me keep doing what you're doing right. keep and then you were able to then take that money and say, keep doing what you're doing. What you're doing is important. See, Absolutely. people care, and I care. Yeah. Yeah. I, I sort of, I think part of that for me comes from, like, I'm also a visual artist. Like, um, so I kind of rely on, you know, money from that, making that sustainable. So that's always a reward. It feels so rewarding, you know, and, like, feels so... So good when somebody even just like tips me for my art, you know? Yeah. And so I know the feeling of like either not quite getting what you know you probably should have. And then also the other times where people really show that gratitude and are able to pay you what you're worth. And so I want, you know, people that play my shows, I want them to feel that. Cause yeah. Because I do appreciate it, and I think they're awesome. So that's awesome. And yeah. are would you say that most or all of the bands are from Grand Rapids for those those festivals? Um, it's about half. Yeah. Yeah, I usually because it is like I want to build, I want to help build our scene in any way I can. But I also believe that to build our scene, we have to be branching out as well. Yeah. So I try to bring, like, about half, as much of the bands that play, I, I want about half of them to be from elsewhere, to show them, like, what we have going on here, and try to connect people, you know, like, you two bands should be playing together, maybe you should go play a show together out there. You know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, um, you know, 
that whole like cross pollination, I think it's so important because for all the, of the non-monetary reasons, like, right, like mm-hmm. sharing ideas and sharing spaces and sharing time with people that you are just getting to know and taking the spirit of where you're from and like showing and sharing that touring in particular is I don't know it's sort of magic in the way that it does that pollination thing that you're talking about yeah it's very very cool absolutely and then you know like as we connect like we share ideas and how to make things better you know yeah I feel like if if we're just always right in our own backyard we sort of get kind of caught in a bubble you know we're not hearing from other scenes and what they're doing you know what ideas they have I know it it just sort of all works together you know when you when you're connecting to other places you're obviously setting up connections for touring and then you're, you're making friends and then you're also getting ideas how to improve just yes in life you know yeah absolutely absolutely i i could not agree more can we talk a little bit about your art for a second since you just sort of dropped that i mean i knew that like i knew you'd done some like you've done a t-shirt design for the quirk right or yeah so So talk a little bit more you can talk about whatever you want but uh the quirk thing is kind of funny because that's kind of how me and beck became friends in a way so I had done a gig poster for a show that The Quirk was playing. I think it was one of their first shows. And I didn't even know who they were. They were just like on the bill. It was one of the other bands that had me do the poster. And so, you know, I wrote The Quirk's name on the poster. And it's literally just my handwriting. And then like a week later, Beck messaged me on Facebook and was like, hey, so I know we don't like really know each other, but... <laughs> I really like the font you used for our band name. Can can I like cut that out and use it as like our like on our stickers that we're making? I was like, Oh yeah, go for it and then uh I ended up seeing them play a little while after that and they had the stickers and like back put one on my wheelchair and like <laughs> the rest is history. One of my best buds now. <laughs> So that, um, the shirt that I designed for them actually has that same quote unquote font that I drew on that initial gig poster. (laughs) Um, but yeah, that, that shirt's cool. It's got like an ostrich on it. I was going to say it's the one with the bird. Yeah. 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 It's very, very cool. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. So I do visual art and I, I love working with bands with it especially it's just like i guess another avenue for me to be like almost in a band you know what i mean i absolutely do well i mean i feel like a band is like i don't know it creates a family yeah it just you can't help it it just is what happens yeah yeah so i've done a lot of like album art and gig posters, t-shirt designs, that kind of stuff. So is your art, so you were talking about the font being something that you drew by hand. So yeah. is your art like mostly drawing? Is it digital? Is it combination? Uh, I'd like, say a combination. I'd say 
like lately it's been very heavily purely digital um but yeah i do it like on a tablet with like a stylus so Mm -hmm. yeah that's awesome and your artwork winds up also in your zine i'm imagining yeah yep i always draw the cover and then there's like little doodles throughout the zine and then i always have like another artist um do like a page or two of whatever they want in there and then just like include their contact info just because there's more to the scene than just bands you know well and that's why well that's also one of the reasons why i wanted to interview you was because like this podcast in particular it's about you know independent music and Mm -hmm. diy touring and diy music but that always involves a lot of people that aren't just the musicians yeah right so there's artists and photographers and bookers and venue owners and sound people and you know and 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 journalists and it just goes on and on i'm Mm -hmm. sure i'm forgetting somebody whoever i'm forgetting i'm sorry Mm -hmm. um (laughs) so um just in case we miss the audio previously um can you one more time just talk a little bit about your zine do you feel the need to keep yourself to a schedule or you just do it when you can no schedules no schedules. Nope. So punk rock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I'm like kind of on like a little bit of a break right now even. Like I got to 10 issues in August. And it's like I've done a lot of good with this thing. And like I need a break now because I want to like make more for myself. You know, I think I deserve that. So I'm like really focusing on my art and my writing separate from the zine right now. Oh, you want to talk a little bit about what you're writing about and what you're yeah, artworking I'm, about? So <laughs> I'm, I'm writing my first book, which is a lifelong dream. <laughs> Fiction or nonfiction? Nonfiction. Whoa. It's about my life and about disabilities and accessibility, and normalizing all of that. And especially as it relates to the arts, really. Yeah. You know, because I, I grew up and it was like, I didn't think there was a place for me in the scene for a long, long time. And Even when you were like 17 and 18 and going yes, to the all-ages shows? It took me years, because I, I was going to shows alone. I didn't really have any friends in the scene. It took a long time. Yeah. So I want to, I want to make, I want to make, I want to help make the future generations not feel that way, you know? And so hopefully I can do that a little bit in my book while also giving back to myself because I, you know, I deserve to like look back on what I've done and be like, that's actually pretty cool. Yeah. You know? (laughs) So you feel like, do you f- or I should rephrase that? Do you feel like the zine is or was more of like a give giving to the community? And yeah. The book is a little bit more about yes giving that story and that energy to yourself. Yeah, me and Beck have had a lot of conversations about this uh, actually, and the zine is totally, uh, especially in the beginning, it was like. 
almost in some ways me being like, hey, look, like I can do stuff here too, guys. So an access point. Do you think it was like an access point to the scene for you? I think so, yeah. It it was able to connect me with so many people. I shouldn't say it was because it's my scene. I can do another one whenever I feel like it. Yes, you can. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But yeah, at first it was definitely like, hey guys, look at me. I can do something. Yeah. And as it grew, it was like, it became more of all of our kind of collective unifier almost, you know, especially as it became fest oriented and like I put out three comps, like it just kind of the compilations, digital releases or physical, digital and physical. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. So so you've not only put on three festivals, three consecutive years in a row. Yeah. But you also have put out, Three compilation albums. Around the festivals. Yeah. And like during the festival. Holy moly. Yeah. Well, getting... So did you, by physical format, you made CDs? Yeah. That's no small task. It's a lot. I had help from... (laughs) I had a lot of help with that, though, with uh, from my friend Rob. He runs a local label called Put Out Your Own Records. It's... It's awesome. <laughs> Aptly named, yes. Yeah. So he let me put him out on that. So he helped out with that a lot. Yeah, it was just a total community thing. Like I said, as the zine grew and then all the avenues that branched off of it, it just became more and more of a community thing, which is like what I wanted in the first place. It feels so good. Yeah, to feel like the... I'm, I'm, does it feel good in like two ways? One, to have your community celebrated and come together, but also like personally to feel... It's Personally, it feels like validating. You know, it's like the validation I never got when I was younger. Uh-huh. And just like I poured so much into the scene and for so long it felt like I wasn't getting any personal connection back you know i wasn't looking for i don't know status or whatever but i was looking for friends and it just took so long to get it and now it's like i have that in abundance and it feels so great and validating and so wonderful and also i see how it's the zine and some of the thing other things i've done that branch off of that like i see how it connects other people, apparently there was um, a couple that met at Skitchin Fest and are now married. I'm like, <laughs> oh my gosh. The ultimate expression of yeah. music is love, right? Exactly. <laughs> to know that like I had any part of their story is just, it's so great. That's really, really cool. <laughs> yeah. It makes me so happy. But... You were sort of talking about... I've put so much work into it, and I've really put my all into it since I started it, since 2016. And it just... It's gotten to the point where I feel good about it enough to take, like, at least a small step back, you know, like, for myself, and to keep it... In its purest form. Right. You know, I don't want it to become 
a thing that I stress about. Like an obligation. Yeah, I never wanted to feel that way. Right. I don't think, I don't think a, even a band shouldn't feel like an obligation, you know, even if it is your job or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, that's a. It's a hard thing to balance. It's a tough one. Making a living out of art is, um, yeah, it's a tough. It's a tough thing to find all of the little balances. Right. It's kind of like what we were saying, I think, before we started recording. It's just like we all have regular lives on top of that. Mm -hmm. There's like a lot of regular life that I'm also living, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So for me now, it's like I want to explore other avenues. I want to like focus on my writing. It's what I always wanted to do when I was younger, is be a writer. Oh, wow. So... And I have done a lot of writing. I uh, I write for a website as well called The Bad Copy. They're based out of Chicago. And what are they? That's like a music site. So I'm also writing about music all the time there. Oh, wow. So. When Tyler was talking about taking a small step back for himself, I realized that throughout our conversation, I kept sensing this expansion and contraction between Tyler wanting and creating things for himself and then also wanting and creating things for his community. It doesn't feel like a tug of war, but rather like a breathing in and a breathing out, both equally important, connected, and rhythmic. There's more to a scene than bands, but you also need to have someone want to sit in the room alone and write a song. There's a lot of incredible visual art and writing that happens around music, but you also need to have someone who wants to spend time editing photos, sitting at their studio alone, drawing, manipulating images, or sitting down somewhere quiet to write up a review that will capture a sonic experience. We need to be solitary with our creative minds and desires so that when we come together in community, we can make the magic. We have to breathe in so we can breathe out. Similarly, with the money, there's a lot of conventional wisdom around being in a DIY band and money. Like, none of us expect to make much money at this. That's not the point. But you can hear how happy it made Tyler to be able to pay his bands what he felt they were worth. Similarly, with his own artwork, getting paid makes the endeavor sustainable. We need money, sometimes in abundance, to help move on to the next part of our art buying new supplies, recording the next album, you get the idea. Sometimes we give away our art and and that's fine, but we have to breathe in and breathe out to expand and contract. We both need to earn money to be able to be generous with it. A lot of us are currently experiencing some form of isolation. Even those of us working at the front lines in hospitals or other medical care facilities, although surrounded by folks who need their help and their colleagues, only these medical professionals understand this work, and many are isolating themselves from their families. We're, we're all of us feeling pretty alone in the world, and we are craving our communities. This atrophy that we're experiencing, because we're only doing one half of the cycle, we're only spending time in isolation, that atrophy is, is very real. Uh, the same thing could happen if we just gave and gave and gave of ourselves and we were always out in the world in the middle of the action. So I hope all of us 
can see this current deprivation as a sign of what happens when we don't keep focusing on ourselves and our communities in an ever-progressing undulation of breathing in and breathing out. Of course, while you're more isolated than usual, I hope you're at least enjoying this interview. So let's just get back to it. So you talked a little bit about... Sorry, we went on like a hundred tangents. No, it was so good. That's what I want to do. Okay. But I do want to talk about the speech that you gave earlier. Like, was it in maybe in May or... Yeah. Yeah, in May. And then I also wanted to talk about... I saw you post recently about helping... It's a venue that I've heard of, and I can't remember helping them with their uh, accessibility stuff. I believe it was Dragon's Den... Well, I know that we talked about that, but I feel like there's another venue or festival you just post. I don't know. Maybe I'm getting it yeah. wrong. But no. Oh, it was Audio Tree. Yeah. I was like, something I've heard of. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know Dragon's Den because I played there, but yep. yeah. Maybe let's talk about those three things, the talk and then that weird connection that we had about Dragon's Den and then maybe a little bit about Audio Tree. That would be great. Yeah. Where should we start? Let's Wherever you want to, it doesn't matter to me. Let's start with story. the speaking. <laughs> okay. Let's go with that. I never was, nobody's comfortable with public speaking unless it's like your thing. Right? I love it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I, just like... I never wanted to do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then last, so it was last year I was booking the show um, and I had just watched this documentary called Salad Days. Okay. And it was about like the Washington, D.C. punk scene from like the 80s. And there was a guy, I can't remember his name, but he would like speak before all the Fugazi sets. And he would talk about like politics and like scene stuff. And I just thought that was so cool. And I asked my friend Rob, who I mentioned that uh, does the local label put out your own records and i talked to back about it and they were both like you should be doing that like you have a lot to say and it's like people listen so i'm like you really you really think so and so that show that i booked last summer um this is separate from the separate from fest yeah i was like i'm gonna do it so to open that show i just spoke about general inclusivity, diversity, safety in the scene, kind of stuff. I thought that would probably be the only time I did it. I ended up doing it again a couple months later at the beginning of one of my friend's uh, bands from Pontiac. They're called Pancho Villa Skull. So I opened one of their shows with that. Then I got invited to do Bloodfest, which was, that was a jaw dropper. Because <laughs> that was a huge uh, that was a huge festival that like, I modeled Skitchin Fest after. That was like a reason why I wanted to do Skitchin Fest in the first place. And because Blood Fest is about all ages, right? Yeah. And, yep. And, you know, it had very humble beginnings, too, where it was like it was like a backyard party for like high school friends. And then it was like they did it for a couple of years and then it expanded. And now it's, it was like a thing that thousands of people go to every year. And they invited me to talk at it this year, which was such an honor. 
And then when I found out what stage they were going to have me on, because <laughs> they do six stages, and it was it was one of the two main stages. I actually, um, so they had, the slot that they had me in was right before Aaron West in the Roaring Twenties, the, which is the acoustic project of uh, the lead singer of the Wonder Years, who was like a band I loved in high school and in college. Yeah. So I'm just like, oh my God, I'm going on before that. <laughs> so the pressure was on, but who's in a band now? <laughs> right. There was, they estimated that there was like 500 people there for my talk at Bloodfest, and that one was very specifically about um, accessibility in the music scene. Yeah. Um, especially in the DIY scene, and how like. You know, we should be really doing it together, you know, to make our spaces accessible and welcoming, you know. And it doesn't have to be a hard thing to do, especially when we're working together, you know. And so that was just, that was incredible to be able to talk about that stuff in, in front of so many people. You know, it's it's so cool to talk in front of people and have what I'm saying resonate with any amount of people in front of so many was just like it was incredible because I could tell that it was really connecting and to have all my friends there was very cool I had like I was so nervous because that crowd was probably 10 times bigger than any other crowd I'd spoken in front of yep and so I like looked out I remember looking out at it before I went out onto the stage and I, like, my friends were there side stage with me, and I was like, I need you guys to come out there with me. And so I went out, and they all followed and sat in a circle around me on the stage. It was, like, the most wholesome thing. <laughs> it was See, so great. See, punk rock is wholesome. I know. <laughs> it was, like, it was, we called it uh, the campfire set. Because they were just, like, cross-legged on the stage, like, in yeah. a semicircle. It was so great. That's awesome. Can you talk a little bit about, a, like, some of the specific things? Like, if you, if people were listening now and curious what kinds of things, you know, yeah. you talk about. I mean, may as well yeah. get down to brass tacks, as they say. Yeah. I mean, ramps, <laughs> wheelchair ramps. They're a lot easier to make than people realize, especially on somewhere that only has a couple steps. I mean, somewhere in your community, someone knows how to use a hammer and nails. You know? Everyone should know how to use a hammer. Exactly. <laughs> so wheelchair ramps are really easy to make. Uh, harsh lighting is a thing, a, a topic of conversation lately in the mm -hmm. scene, which is really, I think, interesting. At least putting, like, warnings up if there is going to be harsh lighting used. But also it's so easy to just not use that. Especially in punk. Like, we're not rock stars here. Right. You know. And then uh, a big thing for me is uh, a point of emphasis for me. And even at Skitchin Fest, we try to make all the accessibility points available easily available like online like about the bathrooms 
about how easy it is to get in, about how easy it's going to be to get around if there's seating, right. et cetera. Because so the information, just yeah, knowing. Yeah, have the information yeah. easily available. Like that's such an, that's like the easiest point of accessibility you can get is just make your information available. You know, it's it's interesting that you say that because this past, I guess it was September when we were home for a little bit, we were mm-hmm. playing an acoustic show at a brewery in our town. And my mom has a good friend who is in a wheelchair. And um, it's it's relatively new, so it's a re- related to aging. Um, yeah. And she really wanted him to come and see the first set. But she goes to this brewery a lot, and there's a step up. Mm. You know, and she you know, looked around, there was no ramp. And so she kind of assumed that it just wasn't going to be accessible for him. But it turns out that you can get into the bar area through the doorway in the next door over, Mm. which is like an entrance to offices and on the, on the top floors of the same building. Mm -hmm. And that entrance has a ramp and then there's a side door into the brewery. So if somebody wants to come in and they're in a wheelchair, it's no problem. They just you, but you have to tell somebody. Right. And how do you also, how do you tell somebody? So that means if you are in a wheelchair, you need to have somebody else go in and tell people, I need right. to use the side ramp. You know, same thing. There's a bar we play in our hometown that has a ramp that they can pull out. Mm-hmm. But like, they luckily always have a bouncer. So there is somebody you can tell. But yeah. it's sort of this like, you would never know that it was wheelchair accessible unless you bothered to ask, and then you would kind of need an advocate there with you as well. Yeah, that's that's unfortunately a huge part of living as a disabled person is like before you leave the house, you have to have your your whole plan lined up because if you don't have someone there to be, you know, an extension of yourself, you're gonna curveballs are gonna mess up your whole your whole time yeah you know like an able-bodied person can just be like oh we're going to this bar it's at this address we figure out how we get in when we get there you don't even think about it right right you know but like before someone like me leaves the house usually i have to call wherever i'm going and say like what entrance do i need to go to you know or like is there an entrance i can go to right uh, just in case, you know. So a lot of, and this I, came. Up, so I yeah. think uh, that's an. I'm glad you mentioned that because I'm trying to think about my speech, and it's like, oh man, that day was a blur. Oh yeah, no, but, no, no, it's all, it's all good. You don't have to. A point I really emphasized was taking some of the burden off of people with disabilities, and like it shouldn't always have to be on us to know everything about a place when it's just so easy for that information to be available. Right. You know, or or just common knowledge. Like it should be it should be more standard for a place to just have that stuff set up right. without being confronted about it or even questioned about it. You know, like oh yeah, there are disabled people. We should make this accessible for yeah. disabled people. And that people. information available to everyone right right? like assuming that because there's such a range there's such a range of you know abilities you know someone that doesn't need a wheelchair might still need seating or right or something i might have a good friend who is in a wheelchair and 
would want that information to be clear and easily right accessible. Yep. Not just assume that the wheelchair folks are traveling by themselves in a pack, you know, yep. <laughs> and nobody yep. else is interacting with them or going exactly. out with them. <laughs> yeah. You know, for sure. That whole thing. Do you think that speech at Bloodfest re- led to the work with with Audio Tree, or how did that connection oh, happen? That was very very closely linked. Um, so Nate Duro was the guy that sort of ran Bloodfest, uh, which was run by uh, Fusion Shows, which is like a regional booking company here. I, mean, I don't want to tell his whole career trajectory, but he now works for Audio Tree. Okay. And so he he really was the person behind both of that, behind getting me on Bloodfest and then had me help out with uh, their accessibility um, statement or mission statement. So like when a band, because Audio Tree doesn't have audiences it's really just right it's they, just, do they, do, now, they do now because they, okay. they they're booking shows now oh okay they're like on top of the amazing performance things that they do on uh like in their studio they're now doing like shows regionally and so they in expanding to booking shows and putting on shows they wanted to have a clear-cut mission statement regarding safety and accessibility and so they had me be a part of that and what was that like that was cool because audio tree is something i've been a huge fan of for a long time yeah they're pretty influential in the world of like i don't know if it's independent music so much because they do mostly folks who are signed to a label or a booking agency but um in the world of folks active bands that are not mega stars, I would say. Yeah. You know, sort yep. of that. They they have helped so many bands and like that are just on the cusp. That's right. Really take off. Yeah. You know. And so to have me even just be like a small part of, you know, something that means so much to me and accessibility was like, whoa, that's really, really cool. <laughs> like they just reached out to me and like it was no big deal. And I'm like, oh my God. Audio tree. Yeah. And then when, you know, I seen my picture on the website, it was like, again, just very validating. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's just, it's just little me here. Right. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but everybody's a little old me. Yeah. You know? And a lot of times it's just people who find something they're passionate about and just work at it. Yeah. You know? And just keep doing it. You know, I'm sure Audio Tree at the beginning was a couple of folks together like, we should maybe try to do this thing. I don't know if it'll work. Right. You know? And now it's... Not like we're going to become a staple of, you know, touring musicians Uh coming through the Midwest and this will be like, we'll make something that Mm -hmm. helps them launch their careers and gives them more exposure than almost anything else they could put online. You know, like... (laughs) Exactly. I'm sure they didn't start with that either. Exactly. You know, totally not. How did you, sorry, this is a little bit off off track. How did you know that like punk, I mean not, I mean like punk rock is like a big category, but how did you know that like that 
was where you wanted to be? Because when we were talking about you being 17 or 18, wanting to be part of what was going on and Mm -hmm. like trying to get to shows, but feeling very isolated, like despite that feeling of feeling isolated or not really quite yet belonging, Mm -hmm. like how did you know that was the where you wanted to be? Because I could see it and sense it at the shows. Like there was just like this camaraderie there. You know, and I always wanted to be a part of that. It was like, you know, I had friends and stuff in high school, but it was like, it was different because it was like a, it was a mix of camaraderie and like a creative energy at the same time, you know, at the shows. Yeah. And just as a creative person, as an artist, I'm like, oh, man, like, I want to be in that energy, you know? And so it was just something you could see at the shows. Uh, so, yeah, I just, I stuck through it. And eventually I wiggled my way in there. <laughs> and I'm fully in it now. You wheeled your way right in. Yeah. <laughs> I might have run over some toes on the way in. It was an accident. <laughs> Mostly. Hey, man, it's maybe your form of moshing. Like, it's yeah. cool. <laughs> Good point. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, is there anything else you want to add? I feel like we got a lot of really good stuff. Oh, man, we really did. <laughs> and I, again, I don't mean to put you on the spot. I like what Beck said on her episode. What did she say? She said... Oh, buy stuff. (laughs) Right. Buy (laughs) merch from people that need you to buy merch. But no, uh, she she just said, like, be good to each other. And, like, ultimately, that's what the music scene is all about. Like, we're all there to have a good time and, and escape from the bad stuff, you know, and like we can kind of create our own little world there. Like, why not make it for everyone? You know, make it accessible, make it welcoming, make it safe. And like when all of that comes together, it's just fun. And all we have to do is be good to each other and listen. Yeah. And I think when, you know, When you create a safer space, then the music can do what it's meant to do. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I mean, that goes back to what I said about how even though I felt like I was on the outside of it back then, like the energy and the feeling in the music, I could feel. And as soon as the scene opened up, and became safer for me, then it was able to really do its magic. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I feel like I've been able to make stuff out of that, you know? And I... Clearly, yeah. yeah. I mean, you've made speeches, zines, a <laughs> festival, <laughs> artwork. Right. Like, plus, you've made things that are intangible, intangible, right? Like. Yeah. And I want to... I want other people to feel like they can do that. Yeah. You know, and I hope I'm a voice for that, for for people that that need that. So. I think without a doubt, you probably don't even 
you probably don't even realize the the folks that you inspire. A lot of the times I don't realize it. Yeah. Chances are good that by living the life that you want to live and doing the things that you want to do and creating the things that you want to create, like that's an inspiration always, I think, to others. Thank you. Yeah. It's badass. Thanks. Yeah. Well, thanks for talking. You're a badass. I don't know. I just show up. (laughs) (laughs) I show up and try to be nice, actually. That's what I do. (laughs) I've always gotten that from you. Okay. (laughs) Good. No, it's an honor to have you have me do this with you. No, I'm super stoked. And uh, I think I'll, I hope I will successfully do some editing magic, but I think we got a lot of good stuff. Excellent. (laughs) Thanks, Tyler. Awesome. The idea of feeling validated came up a lot in our conversation. Most of us want to feel like we belong, like we're part of something, that we are seen and we are appreciated. But one thing I've learned from Tyler's story so far is that even better than feeling accepted is feeling validated for the work and effort we put into making the world a better place. Tyler created something, like a movement almost, that is equal parts about celebrating music as it is about making spaces more inclusive, safe, and accessible. In fact, those ideas are intertwined in such a way that we begin to realize we we can't have one without the other. Tyler made his scene better. And because of that, he got to be part of that energy and camaraderie that he was seeking as a young teenager. Not by trying to fit in, but by trying to make things better. I hope you found this conversation as inspiring as I did. Okay, the last few bits of business for this episode of the Unstoppable Rock podcast. Please do check out my band, When Particles Collide. We're on Spotify, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Just search for When Particles Collide. And as I mentioned before, the best way to support this podcast is by heading to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, searching for When Particles Collide, and making a small monthly donation. The Unstoppable Rock Podcast is a proud member of the Spirit of Rock Network. And remember, your new favorite band or artist is somewhere in a town you've never been to, making songs that have nothing to do with fulfilling a record contract. Let's spread the word. Let's all help each other be a little more unstoppable. Oh, yeah.